I just think right now, women, especially in business, this is the year of women. I just know that. Life begins at 150 grand a year. Life gets better at 250, and life gets real good at 500. Nobody can tell me differently on it. When you start teaching something, I feel like that's when you start to master the actual art of it. You and I, when we publish a book, we can go toe-to-toe with any of the New York trade publishers, any of the big-time authors, and we get to compete in that marketplace and then let the market decide whether our stuff is good. People forget sometimes as an entrepreneur, the whole damn point of entrepreneurship is to make money. And now here is The Win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss. Heather Havenwood. Have you ever wanted to stop the nine to five grind and start your own company? Do you want to have more control of your income and your time? Then now is that moment to start and grow a successful business. As a female entrepreneur, I have succeeded. I have bit the dust. I have bounced back to growth and prosperity. But this would not have been possible without first taking the leap and owning my own business. But I didn't do it alone. I hired my first business coach 13 years ago. And now I help small businesses, solo practitioners, and professionals double their income and triple their time off. So let me help you too. My gift to you today is a free one-on-one strategy session. So go to coachwithheather.com, coachwithheather.com. And let me help you double your income and triple your time off. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Win with Heather Havenwood. And I am super excited to be talking to someone today, which is someone that um, I found really interesting that I got got, um, introduced by introduced by introduced. And it makes sense because his business is about influence. So that kind of makes sense complete sense I got introduced to him by three other people like in a, in a circle um and his name is Leonard Kim are you welcome Leonard hi now, thank you so much for having me you're welcome but I, I, I want to kind of give an intro a little bit to you because something that I think is really interesting is about how you've um kind of mastered the online publishing space um, in the in what I call the magazine world and we're going to go in more into that um but First, I just want to explain to people how influential you are um, online and how young you are. You're very young, too, on top of that. So that's really cool. And Leonard lives in Los Angeles and loves cupcakes, which, by the way, let's just start there. What cupcake is your favorite? Red Velvet. Oh, my God. I love Red Velvet. Oh, my God. Isn't that so good? (laughs) It is so good. They also have one called Michael Jackson. Oh, I haven't tried that one yet. You gotta try it. It's super, okay. super awesome. I live in Austin, Texas, and so they have a place here called the Cupcakes, and it's the uh, like the Silver Bullet trailer, and mm-hmm. they're open till midnight or until they're done or until they just like wow. run out. And uh, they have a Michael Jackson, they have Red Velvet, and they have a bunch of the ones I don't care about because that's all I really care about is Red Velvet carrot cake. This too. is like the inspiration I need in life. <laughs> I'm on a diet until midnight. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm on a diet right now, so this is why I'm talking about cupcakes. Um, But I want to introduce you. He is the owner of the website influencetree.com. And in the middle of his career, 
Lenard Kim used to be struck for years at an entry-level position at America Honda without any hope for a raise or promotion. And he, he finally decided enough was enough and then did something about it. Now he's recognized as a top market influence by Forbes and a top personal branding expert by Entrepreneur and a top digital and youth marketer by Inc. Of course, Leonard is managing partner of Influence Tree, a personal branding accelerator that teaches you how to position your brand, grow your social media following, and get featured in publications. So welcome. Hi. So happy to be here, Heather. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. I like to do my podcasts more fun versus so boring because I feel like everyone says hello and then they do the intro and then they just kind of dive into some weird questions, right? And I I think with podcasting, it's starting to alter a lot like the business of getting into publications, it's really changed. I mean, I just got approved to be a contributor for entrepreneur.com, which I really love, but everything's changed now. It used to be a, how you got to be a contributor for Inc. and Forbes was um, a very specific way that I, I really have no idea that path. And now the path is kind of opened up. And so I kind of want to ask you, you know, what is happening with the online publication world today? What's happening and where is it headed? Well, one of the things that was in the past is these publications, they would only have their staff writers writing content. That means there'd be like 10 to 20 people working in the office, going out there, finding stories, and they put it into print. And when they started moving online, they kept those 10 to 20 people involved. But then uh, in the online world, it's all about hits, how much traffic you get, how many people read your uh, articles, because their whole business model is generated off of ads. And you can't generate ads when you only have 20 people writing content. So they opened up contributorship for people like me, people like you, people who are successful thought leaders in their industry to go out there and create content for them as well. And so let's look at the business model of that because it is really interesting. I've met a lot of people like yourself and uh, the thought leaders that are now contributors for Inc. and Entrepreneur. It's a pretty powerful thing to say that you, and now you're in all of them, Inc., Forbes, and Entrepreneur, and I'm only on one right now, but it's a pretty powerful thing to say. But what's the mindset now of those publications? What's I'm trying to get in the head of the mindset of those publications and where things are kind of starting to hit. Because the shift, I feel, has only been the last 14 months, maybe. Maybe you could give us some, light, some more light into that, but where are things kind of headed? Well, a few years ago, what people were doing is they were going out there and finding like the Bill Gates and the Michael Dells of, of the online world and just having them contribute. Mm -hmm. But then like a Bill Gates or a Michael Dell, they don't have that much time to really go out there and contribute. So they've been opening it up to um, other thought leaders and other people who are more passionate about writing, mm -hmm. like startup founders and um, people in the in different niches of different genres to go out there and create content. So now if you look at like Inc. Magazine or like Entrepreneur, they have all these different sections because they're trying to corner the market and get as much content as they can. But they don't want bad sure. content up there. So what they do is they kind of want to make sure that the writers are doing something else, like doing a podcast, having their own TV show, or writing content on other sites like maybe Quora or Medium or a different platform. Or they have a very popular blog. And they're looking at these people who are already out there creating content and they're bringing them into the platform where they could become a contributor as well. That's that's really awesome. I love that you went through that. Uh, and we talked about when we, when we first, what I call in the green room, which was a prior conversation I called the green room. Um, <laughs> I love the green room concept because it's, I always feel like I'm, I'm in the Oprah show and you always want to want to know like, what do they really talk about in the green room, you know, uh, or the Jimmy Kimmel show. So 
let me ask you this. How did you get started? Let's just go back. How did you get started um, and how did you how did you flourish in this market? Where did you start? Sure. So back in 2013, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was at my job for two years earning about $16.24 an hour, which in California is like nothing. That's like it poverty. Pays for yeah. your- <laughs> <laughs> That's poverty. And uh, I mean, what is what is gas like $20 a gallon? I'm kidding. Uh, but it's pretty expensive to live in L.A. Yeah, that's that's not good. Go ahead. It is. It was so expensive. I couldn't even afford the car. I was taking the bus and the subway to work. It would take me like two hours just to get to work and two hours just to get home. And it was insane. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this. I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I can't do this forever. And like, I started reading content online from like James Altucher and a few other people. And I was like, wow, this is really inspiring. Maybe I should go out there and write. And what I decided to do at that moment was I decided to try three different things and put my all into all three of these things to see which one would pan out. The first thing I tried doing was I applied to 100 jobs. I got three callbacks and no hires. That really didn't pan out that well. I'm like, no one wants me. This sucks. That's, yeah, that's not that's that's not, that's not very good odds. I would say like it's a three percent uh, return rate. Yeah. Okay. So what was the other two things? That's pretty interesting. The next thing I tried doing was going back to college. So I did that for about two years. I'm like, I'm gonna get my education and see if that pans out. Okay. But- All right. So I want to stop you because that is where an automatic go people go, and it's, it's not on you. I'm just saying like a general because I did it too. Like I did it too about a couple years ago. I thought things aren't going well. Let me go back to school. <laughs> it's like we go back to this weird space of like, let's go back to college where things are amazing or something before so we don't have to deal with what we really want to do. Right. So how did that work out? Just curious. Well, I mean, I did that in my late 20s up to like maybe 30, 31, somewhere around there. I'm like, this isn't really panning out. <laughs> that doesn't pan out either. Now I got a lot of debt. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Then the third thing I tried doing was I tried writing online. And within the first six months of writing online, I had like two million reads on my content. I was like, what's going on? This thing just blew up. Like after I wrote my first post, like I got a few views in the first few days. I got a few comments in the first few uh, weeks. Then in the first few months, like someone liked my content enough that they promoted it to like a thousand people. Then I got like inspired. So like I was sitting there on the bus on my little Blackberry typing away, going, oh, let's write two articles to the morning. Wow. Then I'm out work. Like I found every single free moment I could find, like where I wouldn't get a phone call or anything and I'd be writing another article. Then on the way home, I'd be writing articles like on Christmas, on like New Year's Eve, on every major holiday I'd be writing. Like writing just became kind of like my life. I got like absorbed into it and just wrote every single moment I could. And so let's talk about what kind of writing you did. I mean, so you're here you are, you're working for Honda, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's your expertise and what were you writing about? What were the things that people were sharing? Well, for me, I worked at a few different startups and they all went under I worked in the investment fund industry in 2008, and that went under. Went I under. In real That's estate. a really bad time, by the way, to go into the financial market. 2008. Did you like walk in like three days later? They go under because that was the year everything kind of crashed. It was the year everything crashed. So this is what I did in 2008. I'm like, I really need to like make a lot of money. My friends just bought a Lamborghini doing this real estate thing. I'm going to go try doing real estate. So I get involved in like January. I get all these deals together. I'm like, yes, this is going to be so much money. And then bam. <laughs> the bam. It just like falls apart. I'm like, oh, there went all my commissions. 
Wow, you know, I I'm we're I'm laughing because I totally understand. I mm-hmm. I was this exact same way. I was in Florida, wasn't in California, but I was in Florida, and pretty much the exact same thing happened to me. So I completely understand. Uh, so it sounds like you went through a lot of. I mean, what's I love about your story already is that you've gone through failure a lot. Yeah, you know, you're lot. like, oh, that's not work. Oh, that. Oh, that. Okay, you know, you just keep, but you kept like going and going and going, and here you are, like, I want to write. I started writing. Let's so let's dive into that. Here you are on the bus, two hour road drive to work on the bus in in L. A. And you're writing, writing, writing. Your people are starting to share it. But as you and I both know, you don't make money from that, right? I mean, it's cool. It's cool. Don't you worry. Unless you have some kind of like back end. So when did you start to really shift it to I'm going to make money at this? I really don't know the story. So about a year and a half in, I had 10 million reads on my content. And around that point, I was like, you know, I'm going to try making a book. So I self-published something. I mean, that went okay. It didn't really make that much money. But then I was like starting to think like around when I had 10 million views and I was like contributing to a few places, how can I monetize this and turn it into something more? Because being popular online, just like, you know, being the cool kid at school. (laughs) Exactly. It doesn't get you anywhere, right? It gives you this kind of boost of this popularity. Um, but if you don't have something to sell, and I'm, I'm speaking this to really everyone listening, okay, that yes, you can be a millionaire on YouTube because they sell ads, right? You yeah. can be, um, make a lot of money in different things because they're like entrepreneur.com online because they sell ads, really other companies sell ads on their space. So you got to really get the business model. Just popular, popularity doesn't equal Lamborghini, right? So Tell us how you made that shift and what happened. So what I did was first I wanted to make another startup, like a website builder thing where it's like, oh, let's make it easy. And I'm like, oh, this is going to take a lot of investment money. I raised 20, but I need 200 more. Yeah, (laughs) And that was probably when Wix.com came out or something like that, right about that time. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if I could really do this. This is going to be insane. Maybe I should go back to the drawing board. But while I was writing, like all these people kept messaging me and they're like, can you mentor me? Can you teach me how to do what you did? And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't have time to teach everyone how to do everything. Then like one day it just clicked in my head. I'm like, what if I could teach everyone like at a greater scale how to do everything that I did so then they could go out there and create the same kind of success I did? So I decided to make a course that teaches people how to do exactly the same thing that I did in my process to go out there and get like millions of views on my content, get read, get uh, content picked up into publications, go to social media and all of that. Okay, got it. So so do you, so let's take you right to right now today in 2017. <laughs> what are you selling now? Well, right now what I have is I have a course, uh, that course I just spoke about right now. Yeah. And I also do consulting time. And I also help people who, let's say you're like 50 years old, you've made millions in the past, but then now you're like not making as money as you used to because, you know, the uh, market's changed and your business is going to younger people like me. Like I help build out that thought leadership, help them uh, basically go in the background and do all the work for them to build out their personal brand, like ghostwriting their content, helping uh, showcase them as the thought leader that they already are. And going out there and building their social media following. Because I know the digital side and they know the actual expertise within their business. So we combine it together. And I go in the back and it's like I don't even exist. And they go out there and they get all the uh, 
benefits that come from it. Why get a small paycheck? <laughs> Got it. Okay, great. So by the way, you don't have to be 50 years old to want that, right? That's <laughs> so, true. Yeah. You can be 40, you can be 30, and you can be 25. <laughs> I'm 41 and I, you know, that's awesome. So what you're doing, just explain to people is that what you're doing is, is a lot like some of the things I did in the past people is someone else is going to be the voice, right? But you help get the voice out there on a digital platform. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So they can be the speaker, author, whatever, or expert in whatever that field is, but then you help them do the digital side. Right. Exactly. That's exactly. Exactly. So I did that as well. I have done that for other companies. I'm still doing that for a few companies that I'm behind the scenes. They're in the forefront. They don't, people don't even know that I'm behind the scenes and doing a lot of the work. Right. So, um, I completely understand that it's a great model, believe it or not. It's a really great model because the voice, the people in the voice side or the expertise as we call it side usually don't have the skill set of the digital side now exactly. I'm, it's, yeah I'm, go ahead so like what do you find is the right mix of that are you really building out their sites or are they just doing the content what do you find i don't really build out their sites i build out their content so let's say it's you for example i'd be like you need to get a professional headshot it should look like this or this or this but i can't go out there and take your picture <laughs> i just tell you what picture you need i tell you how you need to design your site and i refer you to a designer but my whole job is the content that you're creating like if you're going to be on video i help you create the scripts of what you're going to be saying for the thought leadership content i make sure it hits all these key points to make sure we're telling the story in the proper way that's going to be able to connect with people and what we're really doing is we're getting that google listing like let's say you look up john doe online and you type it into google you get all these different results but you can't find the person that you're looking for and that's what a lot of these millionaires in the past a lot of these people hiring consultants and all these other mm -hmm. people in the past like they used to build their whole business off of referrals it'd be like oh my god heather's so great i gotta refer you to her and then that's how people got clients in the past. But now people are going online looking for those experts, typing them into Google, looking up their names, looking up their reputation. And if I was like, oh, Heather's so amazing. And then I went on to Google and looked up Heather and saw like nothing. I'd be like, is he really as amazing as he says he is? <laughs> that is very true, actually. Um, there was a couple of months ago I was referred to somebody. And, of course, I Googled them. And... <clears throat> They were really nowhere to be seen. And so that made me kind of wonder, you know, it concern, It was like, what's that? So um, so you take people and go, okay, let's just, you know, why don't you use me as a guinea pig in the conversation so people can get really get like how amazing you are, Leonard. Like, what do you do? So if you were to work with me, we were working together. I obviously mm -hmm. am an author, speaker, and a thought leader in a particular field, right? More marketing and sales. What would you, what would you do for me? How could you, you know, this is kind of like letting people into your, the bubble, right? So what would you do for me? Well, the first thing we need to do is create your bio. And to create your bio, what we need to do is we have to highlight your expertise, but make you personable at the same time. Mm. And we do that through storytelling. Like there's so many people out there who are like, I don't know what to put in my bio or they just make it like a resume because they think, oh, it's work and work. And all these people out there, what they do is they look at themselves from like one dimension. But we're 3D creatures. <laughs> we have 3D. We're like, you can feel yourself. You can like see all these different dimensions. And that's how people are able to connect with you. So like, for example, this cupcake conversation that we had, that was able to yeah. create a bond between us. We got the red velvet. We found out about this new cupcake. Michael, <laughs> Michael Jackson. Jackson. It is so good. <laughs> it's got the chocolate on the chocolate. And then in the center, it's like a white cream. 
Oh my god! That yeah, that's so why amazing. they call it Michael Jackson. By the way, that sounded really weird. But that—that's they call it Michael Jackson. I didn't name it, but it's black on black, and then the middle when you like bite into, there's this like white cream that's just like, oh my gosh, it's basically like a you know an icing inside. So it's super awesome. Go ahead. That sounds so good. <laughs> so good. It's so good. So one thing uh, immediately off the bat, you have to like list out your credibility. Then you have to go into the story so others are able to relate to you. Because, like, let's say you like puppies and I like puppies. And we have that affinity that we could bond over and connect. Yes. And we have this little triangle where there's affinity, communication, and reality. Mm. Um, if our realities are connected together, like, that means uh, what I like and what you like is the same. Then yeah. what happens is our communication becomes easier. And if our communication becomes easier, then our affinity or our liking for each other becomes a lot better. Mm. So... What happens is when you're listing these things out in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you could ask questions like, do you like to go hiking? Do you like to go to the beach? What do you like to do for fun? And you can find these common ground in an in-person conversation. But online, you, you can't ask the other person questions. I mean, you can, but you probably won't get a response. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't really get a great response. Like, hi, my name is Heather. What's your favorite cupcake? It's like, uh, weirdo. Right. So what was the three triangles, by the way? I Let's go through those again because that was really brilliant. Okay, there's reality. Reality. Oh, mm -hmm. So reality is like how I see the world and how you see the world. So like, let's say I like dirt bikes, but you like mountain bikes. We probably don't have a similar interest there. So then we can't really connect over that. But let's say I like going to the beach and you like going to the beach. Mm -hmm. Then we have that connection and we're like, oh, I, I like that too. So we're able to bond and start a conversation off that. And what happens next is uh, communication. And communications is how well we're able to communicate. Like if I say I like dirt bikes and you hate dirt bikes, then chances are we have nothing to talk about. So it gets a little limited in the conversation. But then if we both like the beach, then we could go, oh, did you go to Malibu? Did you go to this beach? And we could start uh, building out that conversation about what beaches we went to. And that makes our affinity or our liking for each other stronger. Mm. Or if you both don't like, or if you like dirt bikes and one person doesn't, then it's like, oh, the affinity gets a little weaker. So you find all the common ground. That's why, like, so many people, like, say birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. Because there's that connection and that affinity for each other who likes similar interests. And people gravitate towards what they like <laughs> yeah like cupcakes because they're exactly. good they're really awesome yeah and i'm a beach girl so i'm definitely a beach girl i love to ski snow ski i think nowadays people are finding things um common ground with what they're interested in online you know what yeah. they like to do videos like right now i do podcasting so i'm attracted to a lot of people that like to do podcasting right um people that are starting to do live facebook lives i now know a lot of friends that have facebook live and on and on it goes um that's a really good point. I love that you're saying that. So you're are you are you suggesting or um you know mentoring us right now the listeners that the best way to do your writing and or all your content cross line is to have these like three I would say pillars or part of a triangle mm -hmm. in all of your communication. You should have it in all of them because like there's a lot of thought leaders out there that say, "Oh, you have to go out there and showcase your expertise." But then what happens is if you've read any articles lately, like I read a lot, like one article looks exactly like the next, yeah. and the next and the next. And it's like, oh, all of these things say five ways to find happiness. And they're all exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> and they, don't ha they don't have any volume. And the only way you, to really put how do you do volume that? Sorry, I, I'm sorry for interrupting. I really that's a really good question. though. How do you do that volume? You're about to answer that. Didn't interrupt. Go ahead. 
So there's two ways to add volume to it. One is you can take the scientific way of going, okay, so do 10 jumping jacks a day. This expert says 10 jumping jacks is good a day from this source. This expert says it's good as well, so you, you're able to back your claims. What I would do next on top of that is talk about my personal experience with jumping jacks. I went out there and I did 10 jumping jacks a day, and I was able to get... A two-pack. <laughs> I don't know, like something like that. And like put that real-world experience into there because that's what people are able to connect with. They're like, oh, cool, fact, great. Oh, research, that makes it stronger. Okay, another research, okay, I believe it. But oh, this personal story right there, that connects me to the other person. That makes me believe in their writing. That makes me want to follow them. That makes me want to read their writing, buy their books, join their course, things like that. Mm -hmm. Because that's what the human connection is. And that's how you build up that ARC triangle. Mm, a what do you call it? ARC triangle? Well, you could say ACR, ARC, ARC. We're, we're going <laughs> to call it that. Okay, whatever we want, right? Okay. Um, no, that's a really good, that's a really good point. I, right now, I'm in the middle of producing a podcast called Sexy Blossom Down. And Part of what I'm doing is I'm gonna be I'm gonna be walking on stage in August 2017 um, in a tiny little bikini on NBC show. And what I'm doing is I'm I'm interviewing and having a coach who's a nutritionist. She's the expert, and then I'm the being coached like I'm the one. And then I'm letting people into my world, explaining everything I'm doing, the heartaches, the challenges, the upsets, the things that are working, not working, like. That makes it more credible, I think. Yeah. Th those are kind of pieces. It's like they hear what I'm sitting here talking about cupcakes and how much, no kidding, I really want one, but I'm on this diet and I can't have one. So I'm talking a lot about it. Um, I think that's what you're trying, you're, you're saying, this, the, that concept. Exactly. Okay. And okay. another thing is people love to hear about struggles because no one wants to talk about their struggles. I know. What's up with that? Every single time I've almost gotten, um, I don't mean this negatively, but almost all the online magazines in the world of entrepreneur, I kind of got, I kind of stopped reading them myself. And the reason is, is a lot of them are all about, let me tell you how successful I am. Let me tell you how perfect I am. Let me tell you how the five things you need to do this way, because then you'll have the success like me. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's just not the truth. You know, there's no real, there's no reality. Meanwhile, if you open a political online publication it's more about like throwing tomatoes across the other side there's this constant <laughs> war going on and that's why everyone looks at the political because it's like yeah there's war or something <laughs> they're all like dissing on each other i'm not saying it's great i'm just saying that's what people like almost in a weird way desire to see the struggle am i right yeah. on that or is that just my own weird view well, I like to compare it to more of a comic book. Okay. Like, let's say there's Batman, right? Yeah. Why do people like Batman? It's not because he's a superhero. It's because he watched his parents die in front of them. It's because he had to go out there and figure out this whole, like, find out who he is. He had to find out what challenged him. He had to go out there for a mission. Even though it's a mission of revenge, it's still a mission, right? He had to go through all this heartache, all this pain, everything before he could go oh i'm going to become a superhero and fight crime and now look whenever batman comes out with a new movie the theaters are fully packed batman's been around for like 30 40 50 years and people still love him <laughs> so <laughs> it's one of those things where if you're able to create that backstory mm -hmm. we all have that backstory too even if you live the simplest life and you do nothing 
you have that backstory because you talk to your parents, you talk to your pet, you have something that you can craft off your backstory. And a lot of people, they don't go out there and they don't craft their backstory properly because they're only using that one dimension, like just the business side. And yeah, they're just saying, here's what I did in business. Here's how I succeeded. You should do it too. Exactly. And not that that's not stories great. But I, yeah, I, think, I agree with you. If there was a Batman story and the the Batman movie started off with, he's Batman, he hit some people, he succeeded, that's it, we would never watch it. I think the the most successful, you know, Disney is great at this. You know, they always have to have the villain. They always have to have these pieces. And I think people miss that on the yeah. online space. We have to have some connection to the writer, connection to the character versus how-tos is that and that's why a lot of uh people who write for publications like you would think if you wrote for a publication it would make your brand just go from here to like here right but there's so many writers for publications who don't make that jump and that's because they're just going out there and like crafting their thought leadership they're not incorporating them their personal self into their stories not going out there and being relatable to others they're not telling a story through maybe 10, 20, 30 articles that goes and ties the person on a journey from where they're going as well. And because of that, like a lot of people like lose interest. They're like, oh, yeah, I heard of that name, but I don't follow them. Uh, now, when uh, in comparison push- to someone else, it's like there's like hundreds of thousands of people who follow them. Let me push back on one thing because I know that I'm a contributor right now. And uh, when I reached out and said, hey, this is the idea. I'm thinking about this next article. I got a little bit of a pushback because it's almost like they wanted me to go cookie cutter. Like, give us the one that's like seven reasons on you should blah, blah, blah. It's almost like they were pushing that 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 particular uh, path, you know. Um, so is there some, is that just depends on the editor or is are you encourage would you encourage writers to say, hey, it's OK to go off the path a little bit and not be so boring. Seven reasons on why you should brush your teeth every day. Well, you can write seven reasons on why you can brush your teeth every day, but you can personalize it. And it's a little bit harder to do that because you have limited space and you have to list out a few different things. But like I said earlier, if you list out the point and you back it with research and other research, then the publication's happy, your reader's happy. But then you write this statement underneath where you're personalizing it with your own experience, then you're able to hit both worlds. You're able to hit the uh, world of publications where people are looking for those quick tips. Because I used to, like when I used to read publications, what I would do is I would open up the tab, there'd be seven reasons, I'd skim the reasons, then I'd be like, oh, number four is interesting, I'll read number four. And I think that's how a lot of people read it. I didn't start actually reading until I started writing. <laughs> like, I have no clue what these other six tips are. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, how did you learn? I mean, you weren't taught, obviously. How, how did you learn how to article write? Because I think it's very different than copywriting. I'm kind of more skilled in copywriting, sales copywriting. So how is it different from copywriting, sales copywriting? And how did you teach yourself? Well, at first, what I did was I read Copy Blogger and Neil Patel's content for like an entire year. Then before I even started writing online, I just sit there and write out like little stories on Facebook, just like a 2,000 word posts on Facebook. (laughs) 
hey, that's awesome. up there, <laughs> like to my friends, and like, whoa, that's an interesting story. And like people would comment, like, why are people commenting on this? Who who actually read this? Who can read two thousand words on Facebook? That's actually impressive. Yeah, that's true. I don't. I wouldn't. I'd be like, skim it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, actually, read this. This is insane. So I started to like learn how to storytell. Then when I was writing on Quora for about a year and a half, that's why I mainly focused on the storytelling. Then um, when I started writing for Ink Magazine, like I kind of got pushed into that box where I had yeah. to think like an article writer. So I I combined the storytelling, copywriting thing I learned beforehand, and the article writing, and like combined it together into one. So it was a learning process that took a few years to figure out. Well, yeah, I'm asking because I'm being completely selfish, right? Because I've yeah. been taught the copywriting perspective and I'm having challenges myself with doing article writing because it seems so like what you said in a box, like because sales copywriting is all about like story and connection and what I call the slide, you know, Joe mm-hmm. Sugarman taught me. So he's like, it's all about the slide. You want to take them down a slide and they go down the slide and they end up in your pool of water, which is the pool of money versus um, article writing is more like, like you said, that people skim, like they go where they want to go. Like, ah, yeah. skim, I like number four. So maybe you can shed some light, maybe you can help me. How do you combine that? One of the things that I started doing is that I skipped the uh, model where you list out the numbers. And what I do is I put like four different subheaders into an article. And that basically what I do is I write the story. It's like 800 to 1,000 words, right? Then I read over the story. I'm like, okay, this breaks to another area. Let's put a subheader into there. That's so smart. I call it something else. Yeah. And um, when it breaks into another area, you call it something else. So it looks like four different sections. And that's what you really have to do. You just have to break up your content to make it look like it's more as opposed to just being one long, um, huge one paragraph. Long paragraph. Yeah. That's actually really smart. Okay, so repeat that for me, right? So you do the story of like 800 words and mm-hmm. then you start to look for where it breaks in the story. Yeah. And then so like, put your subheadlines. So like let's say we're talking about like how successful someone is, then we talk about a dip. Then um, something relating to the dip, you write that in right there go then something dramatic happened and you put it in bold and you make it a little subheader then when it starts to turn around he this uh secret he discovered changed this <laughs> so you break it up and then maybe at the end it's like this is the takeaway or the key takeaway the key takeaway of the entire story so you mm. break it up you have the same story that you wanted to create in the first place but now you're breaking it up so then the uh, publication's happy. Uh, the reader is able to see there's four different things. So if they're like, oh, this is an interesting outline. So it's basically like if you read those four things, you get a whole gist of exactly what's happening. And you're like, oh, should I be reading this? And if those four things interest you, then you stick on the content and you read the whole thing. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's really good. You guys should really take that as advantage because it is very different. And journalism writing is very different. I'm not even going to touch it that is. one, right? That's... I don't think there is many journalists anymore. Um, I say that in a loving way, not in a derogatory way at all. If you're a journalist, please, please, please. Um, I just think nowadays everyone's either a thought leader or an opinionated, you know, opinionator. This is their view on whatever. Um, but the world of journalism is kind of, I think, dying off in the world. That What I mean by that is, you know, this is kind of what is happening. No opinion. 
And I think the reason, and this is, I'm asking you, you're the expert here in this world. I think the reason why it's dying off is because people want the opinion. They yeah. want the view. They want the, well, that fact is great. What does that mean? What do you think that means? I want to hear from you uh, either side of the fence or uh, successful, not entrepreneur, not, you know, is that true? People more interested in the opinion versus the how to's nowadays. Or, um, what do you think? Like when I look at my generation, I don't really see anyone reading the news because they don't really care about the facts of exactly what's going on. I mean, they care more about like the commentary that goes behind it. Like <clears throat> if you see like a news station and they're like, oh, this happened and you're like, oh, can't really watch this but then if you're like oh there's a car chase and this happened and this happened and they're like explaining oh we think he's going to be going this way <laughs> and like they play out the thing and make it like more of like a show as opposed to with the commentary like you said then people are a lot more they gravitate more towards that because it's just a lot more interesting it's a lot more compelling and journalism's as hard as it is it's like it's so hard like i would never be able to just be a journalist i'd just be sitting there going wow <laughs> this is super tough it is super tough to be a journalist um yeah so i um I'm a, I'm a copywriter, like I said, by trade. And then article writing is kind of new. And then, I yeah, I'm just staying away from journalism altogether. I'm definitely opinion, an opinion person, a thought leader, someone who I have a view. I have a particular way I want things um, and say that they should be or shouldn't be, right? That's part of it. So if someone's listening going, God, I, I, I'm a thought leader and I have a book out or something, how do I get started? Where would you, Where would you say to start? The first thing you want to do is like if you start on your own website, that means you need to guide people to your website and that becomes a hard part because you have to think about creating content then the next thing you have to do is you have to think about marketing yourself as well. And then you're dealing with two different things. But there's a lot of sites out there that have pre-existing networks. Mm. Like one, your Facebook page, you probably have 500 to 1,000 friends that you're already connected with. Two is like a Medium or Quora. Like these sites, they have like millions of users and they already have a database of people who are looking for content that you're able to create. So if you're looking at any of those types of platforms, then what you have to do is you just have to focus on creating the content. Then once you create that content, you put it onto those platforms, then the publication pushes it out if it's good. That's awesome. Yeah. So Quora and Medium.com. Mm -hmm. You got started on which one? I got started on uh, Quora. On mm. May fifteenth, twenty thirteen. Oh wow, <laughs> wow! Oh, that's awesome. That's that's super awesome. Well, yeah. great. And so then, uh, let's talk about your influencetree.com. Tell us about that influencetree.com. Sure. So what we usually do is, if you want to picture two different people, let's put John on this side and Jack on this side. John's out there and he's going out there. He's got his own website. He's a consultant. He went out there and maybe got 2,000 Twitter followers. He's got 500 connections on LinkedIn and he has like nine recommendations. And when you Google him, you're like, oh, look, there's like five different listings for him, right? Then there's Jack on the other side. Jack's been in the consulting world for a long time. He used to make a lot of money. Now he's now when you Google him, like nothing really shows up. But he's done like amazing things for like IBM, Cisco, like maybe Pepsi. And he's like this ultimate powerhouse consultant, but no one knows who he is. And he's slowly losing business. And like let's say both of them put in a bid to go work on a new contract. Chances are what's going to happen if I'm in that hiring seat is I'm going to Google each of them. Then when I 
And let's say um, Jack on the other side, he has like 21 followers on Twitter. He has maybe 169 connections on LinkedIn, no recommendations. Mm -hmm. And when you Google him, you just find his personal Facebook page. When you're comparing these two people, like I'll look at the resume of both of these and I'll be impressed with both of them because on paper they both look good. But I'm going to look for social proof. What social proof is, it's the same thing that you look for when you go to a restaurant, when you go to a club. Like if I go out on a Saturday night and I drive by uh, Sunset Drive and I see 10 different places and there's a line that's super long outside one of them, chances are I'm going to want to go to that place. And it's the same thing if I see a restaurant that's filled in the front and I'm just walking by and I have no clue where to eat, then chances are I'm going to that restaurant that's packed. Why? Because there's social proof. All these other people are validating it. So when I'm looking at these two people, Google's validating John, but Google's not validating Jack. And let's say when I Google John, like he's also in like Entrepreneur Magazine too and someone did an interview with him. Chances are, I'm looking at both of these resumes, they're trying, both trying to validate themselves, but the outside world's validating John as opposed to Jack. Mm. Sorry, Jack, you're probably better for me, but then everyone else is telling me I got to pick you, John. And that's the whole entire process that everyone's going through right now. So we laid out this course that teaches people that they need to realize that this problem exists and they can go out there. They can position themselves as the thought leader in their space. So it doesn't matter if you're like looking to jump into the C-suite, if you're looking to become a director, if you're looking to own your own business, take your music career to the next level. It doesn't really matter what field you come from. If you go out there and you focus on uh, going and creating yourself as a thought leader in your space, people will come to you. They'll be able to recognize you as the authority. And you'll be able to have the validation from others saying, hey, look, this guy really is the expert that he says he is or she says mm -hmm. he is. Mm, that's, that's really actually very true. And I love the recommendations of LinkedIn. That was a good piece that you said because recommendations on LinkedIn are super awesome. Uh, but you're Kinda right. And <laughs> I actually have like 10. But that's because like I 10, only 10. <laughs> I know only 10. That's yeah. Cause they do take a lot. I this because I went out and said, hi, you know, yeah. will you please recommend me? You know, I, you can't just like use the automated. You have to literally like tap and like say, Hey, how are you? Do you mind? You know, so I, uh, I'll do it for you. If you do it for me, you know, so, um, and they're valid, you know, they're valid, but it takes a lot for people to do it. Like some of my clients, I'm like, will you please do it? a uh, LinkedIn recommendation for me. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, you know, and then they never do. So you have yeah. to really like tap them on the head. Um, but I, I think it's really interesting. I just met someone a couple of months ago. Great guy, been around for years, has a huge resume behind him like that, but he has no real true online presence. And that, you know, uh, I remember him saying something to me. He's like, well, I don't feel like I really need it. I don't need it. I'm like, mm, well, you say that now, you know, you need to be concerned, you know, because uh, at the end of the day, you're going to meet somebody that's just going to have your resume or your, you know, your bid in front of you. And you're going to they're going to you're going to be up against somebody else that has this, you know, online footprint, you know. And so I think that's what I hear is you really help people with their online footprint and really expand. So uh, as we wrap up, you know, how, any last tips you want to tell them or how they can get a hold of you at Influence Tree and what will they find there and how, how can they like work with you? Sure. Uh, well, my email is hello at leonardkim.com. You can send me an email. I respond immediately. On Twitter, you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim, M-R-L-E-O-N-A-R-D-K-I-M. Uh, Influence Street is my website. And for a final tip, hmm, I, 
like when you're a lot of people out there they don't want to share anything personal because they're like scared of something so it could be because something happened in their past they're scared of how to be judged like when i first started creating content and i sat there with my first piece i wrote it up i'm like wow this is great then i went to go click that publish button i was like Ugh. I don't know what to do. I sat there for like 30 minutes shaking, trembling, because I'm like, are people going to mock me? Are they going to ridicule me? Are they going to call me stupid? Are they going to call me a loser? Are they going to call me a failure? Like, what's going to happen from this? And for 30 minutes, I just sat there like having all these fears like overwhelm me. And I, I was like kind of frozen and I kind of wanted to run away. But what you have to do is if you're in a situation like that, uh, the first thing you need to do is you have to recognize your fear. Two, you have to face it, but facing it, it's really scary because you're looking the devil straight in the eyes. Then the third thing you have to do is you have to do something about it and just click that publish button and make sure it's out there. Because those were my fears, but once I clicked publish and I created content, I had the exact opposite reaction of what I was thinking, and people were like, wow, Leonard, you're such an inspiration. You changed my life. You did this. Even one time I went to a Chinese food restaurant, like someone came up and tapped me on the shoulder, and he was like, hey, hey are you that guy, Leonard? And I'm like, this guy, do I owe money? <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, I'm Leonard. And he's like, oh my God, I've been reading your content for so long. It's so inspirational. It helped me change my life. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> and like, you, you can't get those types of reactions if you're scared and you're not going out there and doing anything. So you just have to go out there and do something about it. Mm, that's really powerful. And I, I, I recognize that that experience when someone recognizes you in the public and you're kind of looking around like, what did I do? <laughs> uh, how did you recognize me? What, you know, I completely get that. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for doing what you did and back in 2013 and, and really step out and step on the edge and just change your life because that really is an inspiration to other people. So it's pretty powerful. You can check out Leonard at influencetree.com um, as well as Twitter at, what was it again? Mr. 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 Leonard Kim dot or Mr. Leonard Kim. <laughs> Mr. Leonard Kim. You can find him on Twitter, Mr. Leonard Kim, as well as on LinkedIn. The same thing, Mr. Leonard Kim. Well, thank you so much, Leonard. You can also find him at influencetree.com. So if you're interested in taking your business out there and you're consulting or you're a thought leader, author, speaker, coach, whatever expertise, and you're saying, hey, how do I get into different um, publications? How do I really change my content? reach out to him. I'm telling you, he knows what he's doing. He can definitely help you go to the next step and probably uh, go faster on that path. You can check him out at influencetree.com. This is Heather Havenwood with The Win. Are you frustrated by the weight you can't lose? One sneaky ingredient goes by 61 different names and isn't required on food labels, but it could be causing those stubborn pounds to stay stuck. That extra weight is not your fault. A new report, The Hidden Culprit Sabotaging Your Weight Loss, is available now at heathercleanliver.com, reveals this ingredient and how it's preventing you from losing weight. If you're struggling and you want to break free from dieting misery, visit heathercleanliver.com right away and get your free report. It's an eye-opener. What you don't know could be hurting you. The extra weight is not your fault. Visit heathercleanliver.com. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation. Here is your free gift for listening. 
Get three audio chapters of Heather's book, Sexy Boss, How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook, when you text the word sexy to 7200. Again, text the word sexy, that is S-E-X-Y, to 7200, and receive your three audiobook chapters. Number is good only in North America. This is a sexy boss rap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.